Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. Thanks for being here. We're doing a Heart for the House series. And uh, this morning, um, this could go a hundred ways, so I'm apologizing in advance. (laughs) But essentially, um, we're talking about ownership and stewardship and possessions and how important they are. And I read read a verse in the Bible this morning in James, and it says in James chapter one, verse three, Uh, Let's go from verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And then it says, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And it speaks to me that sometimes um, we're not perfected yet, and we have to let, we have to be patient And sometimes God brings us back round to the same point again and again and again until his work is perfected in us. (laughs) And some of us have been to the same point loads of times. And yes, and uh, you know, if you haven't been there so often and you you stopped um, kicking against the goads and the stick prodded you and you said, oh, okay, I'll go that way, then great, good for you. Um, but some of us haven't been that fortunate. But he wants us to, per- he wants to perfect our faith, and we have to have patience for that. And the reason I bring that up this morning is because one of the things that keep us out of that place of God's perfect will in us being perfected, I believe, are the connections we have to this world. Possessions, material things, Um, heart attitudes, stuff that we really get connected to and we struggle to give it up or give it away. And we, we have a false sense of ownership. And we think, do you know what? Um, What's, what's the old saying? Um, what's mine is mine and what's yours is mine. <laughs> you know, it's like we, we, we've got this really um, skew sense of ownership sometimes. I really believe that. And um, our possessiveness and our desire to have security in things is really powerful. And I wanted to, um, the, the title of this message this morning, by the way, is called The Cattle on a Thousand Hills. Could have been a number of um, titles, but it's the cattle on a thousand hills, and you'll see where we're going with that just now. So we're going to look at stewardship, at ownership, at possessions, and we're going to discover the difference between what an owner is and what a steward is and things like that. And I thought I wanted to relate a story to you first, um, and uh, hopefully it will pave the way for us going forward. Um, And it's, it's about this verse in Psalms 50, but I'm going to read from verse 7, and it says, my people listen as I speak. Here are my charges against you, Israel. I am your God, your God. I am God, your God. I have no complaint about your sacrifices or the burnt offerings that you constantly offer. So God's saying, I'm good with all that, but I don't need the bulls from your barns, and I don't need the goats that you've got. 
for all of the animals of the forest are mine. And I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for all the world is mine and everything in it is mine. Do I eat the meat of bulls? Do I drink the blood of goats? Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. So we're coming back to what we're really praying, and I know the team's praying for grateful hearts and thankful. Make that your sacrifice. And keep your vows to the Most High God. Then call on me when you're in trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will give me glory. Wow, that's really amazing. It goes, you should really read that for homework at home, the whole of Psalm 50. But in verse 23, it says, but giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. And if you keep to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. So God is saying, everything out there, everything in existence, I created it and it's mine. So when you make your sacrifices of whatever, You're really just giving back to me what is mine, but what is more important to me is the sacrifice of your thanks and your heart, because I've given you all this anyway. And so, you know, I, I, when I was a younger man, I I traveled a lot on the hills in Zululand, in KwaZulu-Natal. And um, there's, the hills go on for miles and miles there, and they're covered with cattle. And it's a special breed of cattle there, the Nguni cattle. Very distinctive. I think I actually have a little media picture there of them. And uh, yeah, and so you see like a watering hole there and some Nguni cattle, and then you see the little herd, the herd boys, and they, they go and they herd. The thing is, when anything goes wrong with, or the cattle cause a problem, the herd, the herd boys disappear and they disown the cattle. <laughs> I found that out to my peril one day because I had a collision with a cow. And I thought, wait, and so I'm looking because the cow is in the road, the cow's not, they, they, they scarpered. Anyway, so, um, you know, you see all these hills and it really gives you a, a perspective of the magnitude of all God owns. And it's like the, the people that are going, going to go to Israel next year, man, your perspective is going to be completely changed. And so there's these um, cattle here. Now, Cattle represent wealth, currency, everything to these. Cattle is, are everything. In fact, cattle are even a sign of prestige. So, you know, over here, you know, you might, you know, I better be careful what I say here, but let's say you drive a Bentley. It's very prestigious and it's very, you know, it's a car with a lot of status. Or you drive a Vauxhall Astra, right? They're great cars. I'd rather drive a Vauxhall Astra. And that is lesser than and, and all of this possessiveness and status and stuff gets mixed up. And I, I, I remember a story about this, this king. And he, not, his name is King Malandela, not Mandela, because this guy came a long way before, King Malandela. And he had two sons. Um, he had an older son called Kwabe and a younger son called Zulu. And he had these two sons. And he was the king, and Malandela's wife suggested, listen, you're getting old now, and it's not going to be long before you pop your clogs, and, you know, you have, we, we have to sort out your, the succession of, you know, your kingdom. 
And so his wife suggests, you need to give the cows to the boys now and, um, because your reign's coming to an end. Now, the youngest son was, a, was Zulu and his father gave him all the white cows. Now, the white cows were very prestigious. They were the best cows. And so he got the white cows and his older brother got the brown cows. <laughs> and so Malandela, against his better wishes, because he knew that this was going to cause a problem, but he was to give the white cows to Zulu so that he could build up his herd because he was going to be the future king. Kwabi got the brown cows and they were considered inferior. They were like, do you know what? People are going to make fun of you. You just got a brown cow. You know, it's like if you walk down the street with your white cows, then you can, you can really, you know, make it. But brown cows, they're everywhere, man. Everyone's got brown cows. From that point onwards, the brothers began to avoid one another. And eventually there was a huge rift in the family. And that actually is where the Zulu nation comes, was birthed. Um, so the young King Zulu began the Zulu nation because there was other Bantu tribes that came in, down into southern Africa and that, and at that time. But how freeing would it have been for them or for any of us to know that all that we have, whether it's a brown cow or a white cow, it's the Lord's. It's all his anyway. And we fall out over stuff. And who has what? and all that kind of stuff. And when we recognize God is our true source, no matter what we possess or come into possession of, it will be impossible for resentment to breed. It will be impossible for, for division to come in because it's all his. The cattle on a thousand hills are his. So if you get the brown cow, don't get into a beef with anyone. Excuse the pun. Because our thankfulness has to override all of that. Amen? And so this whole concept of ownership and stewardship, it's tied very carefully into hearts, having hearts for the house. Really, really carefully. It's really, really deep-rooted, and we never really speak about it. Um, because, you know, a lot of things arise out of envy, and jealousy, and um, oh, you know, the church down the street, this, or the church up the road, this, or this guy, that, or she, this, or that. It's like, it's all his. And then God looks at our hearts to see, what is your attitude to all my stuff? Amen. So we're going to track on this because we, God's a giver, God is the giver of all things. Every good and perfect thing comes from him. And he never changes. And the other thing is he never runs out of, give, of things to give. Amen. God never runs out of things to give. You come to me for stuff and you're going to soon find my limit. That's why I love, um, you know, uh, silver and gold have a none. But such as I have, I can give to you. But in a material sense, you come to us, you're going to find your limit very quickly. But God is unlimited. Amen. He never runs out. God's not part of a supply chain. There's nobody, there's, Amazon doesn't send stuff to God. To, or, you know, there's nobody that gives God stuff to give to us. He has it all. 
Everything is his. And in his wisdom and his sovereignty, he gives us all good things to enjoy. But he's also able to remove and withhold things. Okay? He's also able to do that. And he does have an expectation of us concerning our attitude to the things which he's given us. And so, for example, what do we do with his instructions? All right? How do we handle his blessings? How do we handle trials and tribulations? How do we treat the people that he brings across our paths? What do we do with the empowerment that he's given us? What do we do with the authority that he's availed us with? What about our use of time, talent, and treasure? And so I think we need to look at this for a few sessions so that if we get the grasp and the understanding of it, I think it'll transform our church life. Amen? And I know it can be, it can be really difficult to stay thank, have a thankful heart through all of life's seasons because I know there's people in here who've gone through stuff that, I have, that I, I've never experienced and, and, and I empathize with you. I know there's people in here that have really been to rock bottom and even lower. Amen? Life's not easy. Life's testing. But many times, the things that God has ordained for us to go through, they test us to the limits of what we perceive we can bear. Okay? Yet our heart attitude is of the utmost importance to God. Amen? And, and it's, it's the pinnacle of our worship when we are most pressed that we're most thankful. Yes. Uh, so this is the thing. When we, are at, when we are at our lowest ebb and we're really, we've been cut down and we've been betrayed and your best friend has dissed you and they've left you and people are talking about you, be most thankful. That is the pinnacle of our worship. Saying, you know what? No matter what trial or tribulation I go through, you've ordained, you have ordained my steps and you will get me through this. Amen. So there's a foundational truth this morning, and this is definitely going to go into a part two. Um, so we will not go for long, but I want to stir you up this morning. And, um, and uh, because I think it's so important to look at this sub subject. But the foundational truth is God is the owner of everything. Amen. And we are not working for ourselves. Who do we work for? We, we work for, for our Father God. So if he is low, if we said one day, like in my case, it was 1980, Lord, I make you Lord of my life. Basically, all I am and all I have is yours, is what I said. So as you grow as a Christian, and then we, we sometimes find that all I have and all I am is yours, Lord, except this wee bit here. This is where I get my, you know, my, you know, con uh, satisfaction. You know, someone once sang they couldn't get any satisfaction, but uh, people are always looking for satisfaction. Amen. And so, um, he, he, all we have and all we are is his. And the Bible refers to us as stewards. So you see the little herd boys there in the photo. They're steward. They were stewards of those cattle. 
Okay, they weren't the owners of those cattle. They were looking after the cattle, amen? So, you know, whether it's stewardship or whether it's administration, because his kingdom needs administrated too, doesn't it? Amen? We've got to know who we're working for, why we are working for him, and we're going to have a look at this ownership, possession, stewardship thing, okay? So, I want to make a statement this morning that might be disagreeable to some people. I'll make it anyway because um, I'm not saying that, you know, it makes no difference how long you've been a Christian. You, we see things in our Christian life. I mean, Jesus came into town and seen the, the, um, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and he said, you're whitewashed sepulchers. You've, you, you know, you're just, you've become just very religious people. So, you know, true, they had, true religion had escaped them, okay? But one of the biggest problems that I um, sense, both secularly and it's in the church or in the kingdom of God as well, is possessiveness, spirit of possess possessiveness, okay? And maligned ownership, so a really skewed idea of ownership. So, for example, if I have something in my possession or I'm using something, then does that automatically attribute ownership to me? So it's like, you know, you have your, when our kids were small, if you had the cousins or the uh, toddlers over and they come in and they're, they're playing with Nathan's toys, the other one they're sharing, the, but then you try and take the toy off of his, you know, his baby cousin or something. What, what is the first thing they say? Mine. Mine, mine, and they you can pick the toy up, you pick the child up with it, you know, it's like mine, mine, and they throw a massive tantrum when it's time to give, give up the toy. Now I know there's many times in life when we, you know, we in, we borrow things or we or we rent, okay, and we understand that we have something for an allocated time, but it's not really ours, okay, and then you sometimes get people who borrow things without the intention of giving them back again. <laughs> Does anyone know anyone like that? And this is, this is interesting. Here's the, things, the kind of things you hear. So, you know, can I, can I borrow that from you? Yeah, sure. Um, months go by, you probably want, where's my thing? You know, and then you, 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 you overhear, oh, do you know what? Um, I haven't given it back yet because he never uses it anyway. Yeah, he never, he never uses it anyway. Or, or maybe another one is, listen, you've got plenty of money, so you can always buy another one. You know. Or let's say it was a, let's say there's Lewis, there's my guitar, you know, and he's like, I'm just going to hang on to David's guitar because he's he can't even play the thing, and I can play better. I can play better, so I'm going to keep it. <laughs> so. You know, you've got all of these things, or here's the ultimate one when it spills over into the church is, um, I'm using this for the kingdom purposes, you know, and so I'm going to just kind of assume ownership of it because it's, I'm commandeering it for God <laughs> kind of thing. And so, but lurking behind all of those statements is the intention, I'm not giving this back. I'm going to keep it because it's, um, 
benefiting me or it's to my advantage in some way and I'm not going to let it go. And it's a real ignorance of what ownership's really about. So we have to understand that ownership and possession are not the same thing. Okay, uh, who knows the old saying, possession is nine-tenths of the law? I actually think it came from Scottish, Scottish law or legal things centuries ago. Um, I don't believe it to be, I, I mean, I, I don't know if it's a principal legal fact, because if that's the case, then anything that a thief steals from you, you can keep. And we know that that's not going to happen, is it? The thief, ha the thief has to return what he's stolen. So it's more complex than that. But I think it, 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 there's, there's a presumption that it's if you hang on to something or if you keep something for long enough, you, you own it or you have a stronger claim upon it. And unless the owner of it comes to you and says, where's my thing? And then crazily, he has to provide the burden of proof to get it back again. So the person who borrowed it and never returned it, he's got no worries, and the guy who actually owns it has the, the, the big task of pr providing all the evidence that it was his in the first place. It's crazy, isn't it? Isn't it funny how the victim always seems to be the one who has to do all the hard work to get to make things right again? And so, anyway, but if you look at in, chapter, in, in Acts, chapter 4, verse 32, we see a totally redeemed attitude towards possessions, okay? And it says there in the NIV, all the believers were one in heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. That is, that is a totally redeemed attitude towards what we have. Did you agree with that? So there was a different sense of dictating what belonged to who, and there was no claim to ownership. And um, that's where the, there's a false idea of ownership comes in. So what, what is true ownership? That's what I want to look at just now. If you're the true owner of something, do you have the absolute right to do anything you want with that thing that you own? if it's yours. So if you've got something, you own it, you can buy it, you can, uh, sorry, you can sell it, you can trade it, you can give it away, you can ruin it if you want, you can, you can break it up with a hammer, you can, you can do anything you want. Do you agree with that? If, you, if you're the owner of something, by law, no one has the right to take it away from you. Only in certain situations, the government can get involved and ask you to turn over property for the benefit of the, the community or the country. But pretty much if, you have, if you're the owner of something, if someone takes it away from you, it's considered theft. And the law would be on your side and, and society would be on your side, wouldn't they? So as an owner, you, you have rights that are sovereign and unique. You have these ownership rights, they're sovereign, okay? so. You could have have something, you could have bought it brand new. It's like, it's like bikes. I come into contact with bicycles a lot and with pupils with bikes. And it's like, I got a new bike. Man, when, oh, it's brand new at Christmas, but I've left it outside 
through the Scottish winter, you know, for three or four months. And here it's all rusty and everything else. And it's just been left outside to rust and to rot away. And I'm like, okay, well, we can get it up. But, you know, why is it like that? Oh, I got, I got it, but I don't use it. And a lot of things we get stuff and because we don't use them. We don't let anyone else use them either. They all go to, they all just end up turning into unusable items. And some people have an attitude, well, it's mine, and I'm, I'd rather see it just sit there than actually give it away to somebody to use. That's another um, attitude that we actually came into contact with that attitude a wee bit yesterday in a certain funny situation. Um, so um, someone had a heart to give or leave something for somebody, but then something happened and they said, oh, because you've done that, I've changed my mind and I'm going to take my thing back again. <laughs> We're so fickle, aren't we? And so, you know, but you wouldn't be doing anything illegal because you own the thing. Now, you can argue, well, that's a very selfish way to be. You've got all this stuff, you don't use it. Why don't you give it away? Why don't you bless somebody with it? All of this kind of stuff. But it is selfish, but it's kind of the world's way system of ownership, and it's totally different to God's way of ownership. And so, you know, if you look at times past, um, slavery, and I know it's a, it's a hot potato, it has been over, over recent years, but you know, if anyone is a scholar of the word or reads God's word, you're going to come into contact with slavery all the time. Um, God's own people were slaves. Amen? So, the reality was that the slave belonged to his owner or his master, okay? And the owner had authority over the slave. The owner had lordship over the slave. And the owner could, or the master could say to the slave, I command you to do this. And the slave was to obey them. Now, a slave could disobey the authority of their owners, but legally, their, the owners had lordship over them. Amen? So sometimes we have things that we consider to be ours, but are we really the owners of these things? Because those slaves, although legally they belonged to their masters, they were not, they were not the owners. These are souls, people. Okay? Now, the, 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 I, I've read many stories of of owners or masters of slaves, that the slaves were treated better than family, that the owners were not brutish. And, and I think it's because they had that awareness of, of them as humans and, and, and God's creation. Amen. So who, you know, sometimes we have things that we consider to be ours, maybe because we've had them for long enough, or you know what, uh, you know, for this reason or that reason, it, this is mine now. And are we really the owners of these things? So the slaves didn't really belong to them because they were created in the image of God. Amen? So we need to establish ownership, and it flies in the face of what the world thinks ownership. So we're just going to go over three points this morning as we, uh, towards the end of the service on ownership. So the first one is individual ownership, all right? So individual ownership is the kind of sense that it's mine, all mine. I've worked hard for this. I've earned it. Who, who do you think you are to take anything away from me? This is mine. 
and so it belongs to me, thank you very much. So, you know, if it's, it's, like, it's like trying to get dig money out of your daughter, you know. I've worked hard for this money. It's all mine, and you ain't getting no digs. <laughs> mm, okay. What you sow is what you reap. We'll wait and see what happens in the, year, in, a, in the years down the line. We know you work hard, and you've got, you need a social life. And, you know, you need money to do that. Yeah, I work hard for this money. This is my money. So individual ownership says you can't force me to distribute anything I have. It's all mine. You can't, you know, if my fellow man needs something, I don't need to give it. If I feel like it, maybe I will. And it's, le it's led to a self-centered society and a lot of injustice. Amen? So the outcomes are not good from that form of ownership, individual ownership. The owner is sovereign, except for the times when the government can come along and say, I need your bit of land, or I need your factory, because we're going to, you're going to stop making toasters and you're going to start making bombs. Yeah, that happened during the, the war, yeah? So the, the, you understand. Then the second one is community ownership. Now, community ownership... You know, we look at Acts chapter 4 and we think, oh, we all have got all this stuff and you can come and help yourself whenever you like. And I want to just explain a bit more clearly in, in what I believe to be the case. And I stand willing to be corrected at any time. But some people believe that according to that, the disciples would sell their property and possessions. If you read Acts chapter 2 from verse 44, it says there they sold all that they had and then they distributed the money. So some people believe that the disciples would sell their property and possessions and distribute the money according to those who had need of it. Now, that is true in certain situations. They did that. But actually, I couldn't find anywhere in the New Testament that says that the Christian community owned what they had they decided to sell what they had. So they, and they would distribute it. It wasn't like a free-for-all where someone can walk into your house and say, I'm part of the church and I'll, I need a TV. <laughs> See you later. Yeah, it's not, it, it, so it's just to, it, oh my, it's just, you, you know what I mean. So there's, there's a view that everything belongs to the community, and this is the way everyone's needs are taken care of and everyone benefits from it. Now, that sounds very akin to a kind of a political system to me. Everything, you have nothing. And I know, I have, I know who, who the owner is, but the owner is, not, the owner is not the government. But, if they, but because we are in submission to our government if they're godly, and they did come and say, we need to use Tudor Rye Road for this, what would we do? We would cooperate. We would say, how can we help? But you, no, one can just walk, no one can just walk into your house and take what you have. Amen? So that's one particular. The final type of ownership is biblical ownership. Neither the individual nor the community own anything. God is the owner of everything. Because God is above man. He's above us. He's above individuals. And God is above communities. Yes. He's above all nations. Yes. 
He's above all tribes and all tongues. And so it's his. Acts chapter 17, verse 24 says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in temples built by human hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Amen? 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Because everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Amen? Everything that I own, I receive from somebody. Everything that Linda and I own, we got from someone else. Yeah? But biblical ownership points to the one who owns everything without having received it from anybody else. And we can, if you said, who is able in this entire universe, who is able to give you what you need without them having to go and get it somewhere or receive it from someone else? There's only one person you could say that about, it's the Lord. It's him. It's him. Amen. 1 Timothy 6, we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. We have, if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Those who want to get rich, here we go to the possessions and the materialistic things. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, we all know that, is the root of all kinds of evil. And, and people, eager for mon- people eager for money wander from the faith and they get pierced with many sorrows and griefs. Amen? 1 Corinthians 4, 7, who made you different from anybody else? What do do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? So that's like God has blessed me. But then I begin to revel in my blessings. I forget God and I'm boasting on what he has done for me. But God's not getting the glory for it. He's out of the picture. And how many times does that happen to us? We've We've really, you know, after our greatest victories can come our heaviest defeats. God, God will bless you, he'll lift you up, he'll exalt you, he'll, he'll, he'll lift you up higher. And when life is going good again, we tend to say, look what, we don't say, look what the Lord has done. We sometimes say, mm, I, we have a, 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 a spirit that takes things for granted. The earth is the Lord's and everything therein, all animals, Precious metals, gemstones, the fields of barley and wheat, corn, everything belongs to him. Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who dwell therein. Haggai 2, 8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Amen. So when we as individuals or, or as a community when we begin to assume ownership of things or take for ourselves something that is not ours, that's being presumptuous. And presumption is a very dangerous attitude to have 
Well, uh, we, well we presume we can use it. Well, has, has there been a release to use it? Has there been a direction to use it? And I think that, oh, and they nearly had directions from, from Siri there. Amen. And so this, this concept of ownership is something I, I just wanted to speak about this morning. Um, Lucifer challenged God's ownership. And I'll close with this because and we'll go into part two. But obviously, I said, when we were praying this morning, we, we talked about being twice his you know, in, 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 in back in the day, if, an is, if one of God's people had, had a debt, they would sell themselves into slavery to pay the debt. But it was possible for one of their relatives or their family to come and to ransom them from the owner, from their, from their master. And so, and they came back into the family and that's what, that's what happened with us. Our, our first parents, the, the fall of man, led us into a place where we had no rights, nothing. And God won us back again. But Satan doesn't want to let go. He, he wants to keep a grip of your life. And the thing is about that, and, and, and I'm st kind of studying this out, is that he offered Jesus all the kingdoms of the world as if he had the right to offer them to Jesus. Satan is a possessor of this land. So you've heard people being possessed. And he, so he's an influencer, a usurper, and a possessor. But the earth and everything in it is the Lord's. And he has a short-term he, he short lease on the world to turn your hearts away from God. And that's, that's what we have to understand, that God has bought us back again. So that Satan has no, has no legal claim to you if you're born again. He has no right, he has no right over you. He, you, 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 if you read the book of Job, you'll understand that there may be times when, when you'll go through things where, where, where the inf this world and its system and the rulers of this world and principalities and powers and dark places will test you for the perfecting of your faith and will come through it stronger. Amen. So we can't give anything to God. It's all his in the first place. And um, um, Satan knows that. And one day he's going to go to his eternal destination. And we, we, are, we pray that as many people as possible will not go there along with him, but that people, that, that people will be saved and brought to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they will dedicate and sanctify their lives to the Lord because that's what you do when you know that you're you know, it's like, um, I think, uh, uh, Natasha, baby, baby Grant, at one, hopefully will be dedicated to the Lord. Because what we'll be saying, the parents say, we recognize that you've given us this son, and now we dedicate him back to you. He's yours. 
And so this is our life. If we get caught up in the possessiveness and the, the misunderstanding of ownership, we think that it's all ours and we don't have to lay anything down. We don't have to sacrifice. We don't have to dedicate. We don't have to sanctify anything. We've been saved and everything's going to be fine. But that's not what the Bible says. And so I believe that that's what we, 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 we're going to look at over the next few weeks. So praise God. Amen. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.